0: Welcome to the podcast that provides a biblical perspective on the hot topics from world events to relationships to business and more. It's the Big Picture Show with Timothy Fleming Jr. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Big Picture Podcast Show. This is the podcast that provides insight into the topics that matter the most, providing you with a biblical perspective so that you can see the big picture. I am your host, Timothy Fleming, Jr., and today is March the 31st, 2020. I'm so glad to be with you today. I do have a lot that I want to share, a lot of things that are on my mind, and of course, it is centered around the hot topic of the day, which is, and you guessed it, we can all say it together, the coronavirus. So I want to share a couple of thoughts with you about the coronavirus, some things I've been mulling over and just really thinking about pretty strongly, uh, just sitting back, listening, watching, paying attention to everything that's taking place. I do not and, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really spend... A lot of time listening to the news I don't look at the news a lot if I do look at any kind of news uh, generally I may look at something like the 700 Club and I know there's some people that are like what 700 Club yeah I like to pay attention to Christian networks uh, kind of listen to what's going on from a Christian perspective but I do listen to to Fox News uh occasionally I may catch you know CNN or or different news channels only on the need to know basis. But I kind of you know take a lot of things with a grain of salt because I'm pretty much aware of the fact that a lot of news media particularly mainstream news media coverage has an agenda behind it, a political agenda behind it. So you know, kind of like, give me the facts, uh, but leave out the fluff. Leave out all of your personal color commentary, and I don't want to hear your perspective. I just want you to tell me what happened, and I can draw my own conclusions. That's the kind of person that I am. Uh, but just sitting back, listening to a lot, and just following what's been going on is very startling, is alarming, It's kind of disturbing to a degree. But at the same time, there are some uplifting stories that have been coming out of this entire situation. And I know there are some people like, you know, you got to be kidding me. Nothing good can come out of this. Trust me. There's some good. In fact, there's a lot of good uh, that can come out of this. You know, I want to start by just kind of reminding everyone a little about about 12 years ago. I remember the country was in a similar situation. 12 years ago, people were losing their houses, losing their homes, their jobs, were foreclosing companies, were laying people off, people were placed on furlough, uh, fired from their their, their jobs, uh, land developers, entrepreneurs, they were losing their businesses, they were going from millionaire status to being flat broke. And I remember back then, people were so desperate, uh, some despondent, people were just feeling as if the end was was at hand, as if, well, I don't know if we'll ever recover from this. And guess what? Uh, not only did we recover, but we bounced back even stronger. Uh, we came back even stronger than before. And I wanted to kind of start out with that little plug in, because I want to remind you that tough times do not last. They don't last always. And trust me, when I tell you that what we're experiencing now is almost like a dress rehearsal for things to come. Uh, But tough times, they don't last. Uh, they, They don't last. You know, you heard the old saying, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And there's no way to thicken your skin, no better way to thicken up your skin and become tough than to be a person who puts their trust and faith and confidence in God uh, during these times. That's the lesson that we learned back in 2008 when we hit the Great Recession and people didn't know where to turn back then. And some people fail on really, really hard times and they had to give up their homes and cars and everything else, go and move in with friends and family members or shelters, but they recovered, they bounced back. And sometimes in these kind of situations, we find ourselves becoming more innovative than ever before. We find ideas coming to our minds that we never would have entertained had everything gone uh as usual, and just going the normal way they were. Uh, so there's a way that these kind of circumstances can tap into the greatness on the inside of us and produce things on the inside of us uh, that that we probably wouldn't have produced uh, had everything been going according to plan. So yes, there is actually good, and there are lessons to be learned, great lessons to be learned and some of that is what I'm going to jump into uh, as we get into this podcast today. So go ahead and saddle up, get ready and take this ride with me because we're going to go ahead and attack this, the Corona virus, the Corona What are my thoughts about the coronavirus? virus? Uh, again, first thing, this is a real threat. It's a serious threat. It's not a joke. You know, I have some friends and people that are close and near and dear to my heart that have been wrestling with the coronavirus and some of them clinging on to dear life, literally uh, clinging on to dear life, uh, hardly able to speak, barely able to breathe. And I find myself just praying with some of them, just praying and Declaring the word of God over their lives, you know, uh, we rebuke this virus. We come against it. We declare healing over your body. Just standing with them in authority and standing on the promises of the word of God. And thankfully, a great, you know, uh, awesome, you know, news is, uh, they recovered. I mean, the, the one minute literally be fighting for For a person to be fighting for their life. And then we we engage in prayer. And the next thing you know, like maybe a day or two later, they are being released and sent home from the hospital uh, recovered. I mean, you know, prayer works and God is real. Uh, so there, there, there are some, 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 uh, positive takeaways. But like I said, this is no joke. It's a, it's the real deal. It's a serious, uh, pandemic, a pandemic. It, it crosses the globe today. And I mean, as, uh, the last time I checked, as we look at the official, uh, count of, of how many people have been infected worldwide, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. I think it was somewhere last I checked around 800,000, somewhere around that ballpark, uh, 800,000 and hundreds or, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that have died from this thing. I mean, this, this, this is like I say it's a serious thing and it's something that we do need to take very seriously. I remember when it first started, there was some people that took it lightly. Oh, I ain't going to do all that social distancing. Oh, uh, you know, and they just bragging about it. And now look at them. They didn't shut their doors and they, you know, all cooped up and wearing face masks and everything else. You know why? Because this is real. It's real and it's something that we need to take seriously, um, and it's wreaking havoc. It's wreaking havoc on our lives, uh, you know, not just the social distancing, shutting down all social events, you know, games, concerts, sporting events. You know, you got kids now complaining that they Probably not going to be able to go to the prom, or there may not even be a graduation ceremony. I mean, a lot of things are affected. But the number one thing, of course, that's affected by this virus is the economy itself. The economy. A lot of people are losing their jobs, being furloughed, laid off because companies can't afford to keep them there. The companies are not bringing in the money since people are pretty much sitting on the money that they have, afraid of what may happen tomorrow. I do want to go. I do want to warn you. I want to warn you against listening to news that may not be verified and validated. You know, during times like these, a lot of people tend to take the social media and they'll start spreading stuff around. Hey, pass this on. You know, you get an instant message. Uh, Martial law was being declared. The president is getting ready to bring all of the, you know, troops in and they're going to impose curfews. And so we end up looking like a scene from that movie Contagion or something, you know, martial law and everybody has to You know, stay in their homes or if you out past curfew, you end up getting arrested and put in jail or shot on the spot or something. You know, you know, uh, you know, during times like these, it's easy to fall prey and victim to fear mongering and lies and rumors. So kind of be cautious, be careful about what you listen to and the stuff that you entertain, because a lot of people will, will kind of disseminate information or uh, false information and get people more worked up than anything. And a lot of people are living in fear. Now, like I said, it's a serious problem, but some things I, I get very suspicious of, a lot of false information and a lot of conspiracy theories. And some of that, I'm actually going to go ahead and talk about it. I'm not going to do like a lot of people, oh, don't listen to it, you know, just throw it by the wayside and act like it, it doesn't affect people. No, some of that stuff need to be addressed and it need to be addressed with the facts. I mean, the facts, you know, so... uh, I want to jump into that and and really take a dive and and a look at what's really going on. Again, yes, socially and economically, we're taking a hit right now. We're being hammered. And, you know, I'm in a ministry, so I see a lot of pastors that are suffering right now because if the members don't have any means of working and getting paid, then it's going to be very difficult for them to pay their tithe to the churches and the pastors. A lot of them are. Uh, find themselves suffering and struggling as well. And, you know, if you're in ministry, I want to remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, when the Apostle Paul addressed this same exact situation. And in fact, if you want to talk about, you know, uh, economic downturn, look at what Christians were facing uh, during this, you know, the uh, early centuries uh, uh, in the church. When they were under intense persecution by the Jewish community, uh, they were being persecuted by Roman authorities. You know, they had to hide out just to be able to engage in worship. Uh, Paul, and he, thats one of the things that he talked about in First Corinthians chapter nine—is you know he was explaining to the church of Corinth that I need you all to take care of my needs as well as an apostle, but it's all good. You know, the Bible say don't muzzle the ox that treaded off the corn. In other words, you know, God told me that those that preach the gospel must live off of the gospel and you all don't want to take care of my needs. But I'm not going to get sour. I'm not going to get sour because God is going to take care of me. And that was Paul's attitude. Let me be careful lest I allow the desire for money to overtake me, and then preaching to everyone else, I become a castaway. So Paul had to guard his heart in that moment, and he had to get back to looking at his motives, and that's the key word, his motives, to make sure that even though he wasn't getting the finances he needed from the people, he wasn't going to allow his heart to become desperate for money, but instead he was going to trust in God. And we know Paul's story. He started his own business. Uh, some say, what, a tent maker or some say p- making prayer shawls, but whatever the case, he started his own business and that sustained him and allowed him to support himself financially. And guess what happened? God did eventually send people to sow into him. One woman named Lydia, seller of purple linen. She became one of Paul's financiers. She began to sow into his ministry. And during this season there are people that are prospering in droughts there are people that are actually receiving raises on their jobs they're getting more money but they're laying everybody else not everyone not everyone is suffering not everyone is losing their work there are people money is still in circulation let me put it that way money is still in circulation um, uh, this, this virus has not stopped money. Sure. Wall Street may take a hitting and things, you know, people may be kind of clenching down, but money is still in circulation. Just go to Walmart. If you don't believe me, trust me. I think probably this is, <laughs> and it's not really funny, but I think this may be Walmart's most prosperous season yet. You know, because Walmart and Target and all of these major department stores, they are flooded out. The grocery stores are flooded out. They can't keep food on the shelves. They can't keep cleaning supplies on the shelves. Purell, the maker of the hand sanitizer and many household products, they can't make the products fast enough. So there's never a situation where money is scarce. It's just money is going into a different set of hands, but it's still in circulation. It's still in circulation. And I do believe in uh, positioning that there are times where if you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit ahead of time, then he'll actually give you the strategy to position yourself ahead of the curve so that you'll actually be in a position to receive the finances when it starts to flow in your direction. Uh, positioning is is the key thing, you know. Uh Today, I mean, the housing market, they're giving houses away at 0% interest. So, this is what rich people do. There, it's no secret how wealth is accumulated. People always complain about all oh, the rich, the rich, the rich. There, it's no secret. What they do is they wait for these kind of moments, and they start buying everything up. Since the stocks, everything is super low, cheap as I don't know what, houses are going for a dollar, I mean, almost a dollar, you know, no interest. What wealthy people are doing right now? They are not sitting back hoarding their money. They are going up buying everything. They are buying everything. Why? Because this is going to turn around. Do you hear me, people? The economy is going to pick right back up again Uh, Everything is going to start flowing all over again. Everyone's going to be out again, out and about again. And guess who going to have everything? The people who was buying everything up while everybody else was hoarding and holding on to their dollars. And then those same people who are hoarding are going to complain about the 99% got everything. Yes, because the 99% bought it all up when everybody else was too afraid to invest. I mean, that's the way it happens that's the way the, the Rothschilds did. <laughs> you know. That's the way Rothschilds, Rockefellers, all of these individuals, they've been doing it for for decades, for for centuries. I'm sorry, for centuries, you know, and, and everyone knows that it's just, you know, are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to take that chance and come to find out those that are the, the top one percent earners? They are the biggest risk takers, hands down. So this is one of those moments where you have to ask yourself, because like I said, things are going to turn around. But when they turn around, are you going to be ahead of the curve and the person that owns all the stuff? Or are you going to go right back to being the one that's just a plain consumer? So things are going to turn around. But what you do during this season counts. It counts drastically and it determines where you're going to end up after this short season is over. And it is a short season. Trust me. So, um, you know, a lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are suffering. And that's just my two cents throwing in and about a little strategy there. You know, as a, as a Christian, it's a good idea to be praying. And and trust me when I tell you, it's a good idea to be praying and asking God, OK, Lord, give me the strategy during the season to do just like, uh, who is it, uh, Isaiah in the Bible? The Bible said he sowed during a drought season and he reaped even during the drought. <laughs> you know, even when it was a drought, he sowed and reaped. You know, that's a supernatural increase. And as a Christian, I do believe that it is, uh, it should, it should actually be your prayer. It should be your prayer. That's why I say if you're living in fear, you're actually hindering yourself even more because during seasons like these there are pockets of treasures it's like you know when the water recedes you get to see treasure that was buried in the sand stuff you couldn't see when the water was there and there there are times when when it seems like when we go into a recession or economic drought that god begins to uncover pockets of treasure that you wouldn't have seen when when everything was going fine And I believe during these seasons that we need to ask God not live in fear, but now begin to actually apply faith more than anything, because we need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he knows where money is. He knows where the positioning is. He knows what we need to do in order to actually be in a better position when things do uh, begin to clear up. So we need to start seeking the face of God, not to say, God, my bills, but to say, God, position me, and God, uh, give me wisdom during this season right now, wisdom, because money is still circulating. It is still circulating, but it's just going into a different set of hands now and the wisdom of the Lord to know what can I offer? What can I do? What can I give? What can I be? What can I say? How can I position myself to be a recipient of this wave because money is being spent like crazy right now? It's just being spent in Walmart and Target. Everyone's buying up all of Purell's products. They can't keep the stuff, manufacture it fast enough. You know, uh, the drugstores, I mean, they are selling out of stuff. Grocery stores, they are selling out. So certain people are making more money now than they've ever made before so never get up and say that oh well, uh, you know, everything is on lockdown, no everything ain't <laughs> you know, there are people that are st- that are, that are actually doing better now, you know, kind of remind me of that movie Up in the Air <laughs> starring George Clooney you know, he worked for a company whose specialty was going into major companies and laying people off, you know, that was his job to go and fire people for a living and when the Great Recession hit, you know, he's Said, the ball said this is our moment <laughs> you know this is our greatest season this is our moment you know and, and, and it it is sad but it's true it's sad but it's true that people profit during times like this but times like these you know you got to walk with a deeper level of strategy and wisdom because there is profit to be made there truly is but it ain't all about profit it's all about how you use it and who you help with the profit that you gain. So, like I said, people are are struggling. There are a lot of people that are struggling. And uh, a lot of people, you know, come up with all of these conspiracy theories about the government. Trump about to declare martial law, bring the National Guard in and shut every city down. You do realize, I mean, number one, number one, a lot of people, when they get up and say, well, why didn't the president just jump up and do something? You do realize that we are still a. Uh, a uh, constitutional republic that has a democratic process in which things are to be done. In other words, we are not a, a dictatorship. We are not a communist socialist state. And what that means is that there are certain limitations the federal government has. Where a federal government may, may pass certain bills or, or may throw out certain restrictions, but it's still up to state and local governments to heed and to follow through with certain of these guidelines. And even state and local governments have the right to make or impose certain restrictions, even if the federal government does not impose those restrictions. You do understand that, you know, people still have civil liberties and civil rights, and we are not under a state of martial law. With that being said, is you got to get your facts straight. You know, get your facts straight. When the last time I heard uh, President Trump speaking... His goal was to try to at least have people back in their churches by Easter. Then it goes back and they say, well, there's such a spread of the virus. We may have to extend the social distancing policy. Social distancing policy. This does not mean shutting down your businesses. It just means you may have to modify your hours. You may have to modify the way you accommodate customers rather than having a whole group group of people inside of your restaurant, just have everyone come and do takeout, you know, but then what happens, and this is where people need to get to understand, in the fact straight, is your governor the governor of whatever state you live in may come on on television and impose deeper restrictions on the state that they govern. So the governor now is not so much the federal government, but it may be that governor who made the decision that, well, you know what? I want to shut down everything except for grocery stores and uh, stores like Walmart and CVS or, or what have you you know, and I want everyone indoors by seven o'clock. You know, you may have a situation where it's the governor and where people may be blaming the federal government. They need to be looking at their local government and, and understand that the blame may be in that department. So, You know, that's one of the things I wanted to throw that part out because people tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater and they just point the finger wherever they can and just, well, I take that back, not wherever they can. They just point the finger directly at the federal government and say, them you know, they, you, and and they just leave it at that. They don't think about the role that the governor, the mayor plays. They don't think about the local politicians and the role that they play. They don't think about the fact that states have the right to impose curfews or to begin to operate within that state. You know, governors can operate within that state, and there are some restrictions that we may be facing that have nothing to do with the federal government, has everything to do with your state local government your governor, your mayor, a lot of people don't understand that, and then, like I said, we're still a, a nation that is under constitutional protection. So even with that, it's more, it's less of an order and more like a very strong suggestion, <laughs> if I could put it that way. Because again, there's some things, and I've heard a lot of comments about this. They're gonna tell churches, "You all can't meet because we need everybody to stay distant." But then you walk in Walmart, and there's like ten thousand people in the store you <laughs> You know why? Ain't they telling? Oh, only ten people in, in Walmart at a time? You know they ain't doing no social distancing at the grocery stores either. You know people are still around each other. People are still at uh, public parks. People are still having house parties. People are still gonna congregate. They are still gonna socialize. They're gonna come together. People are still the or the club may be shut down. Hey, everybody, club at my house. I got a big enough basement. <laughs> you know I'm Charles a cover charge. What, 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 what the police going to show up and shut my house down now or something? I mean, you know, you can't stop people from socializing. You can't stop people. Sure, there's the risk of legal liability lawsuits. Somebody could say, well, I was at your church or house and I ended up getting sick. And yes, that does happen. I heard about a pastor recently that infected his entire congregation at a funeral because he was infected. And I guess he didn't notify others. And ended up infected pretty much almost everybody at the funeral. And I think they locked that pastor up. So I understand there are certain things that are going on, but you are not going to stop socializing. You're not going to stop people from coming together. And so number one, I want to bring this up to be careful about a lot of conspiracy theories. I don't believe you no know, Trump administration created this and passed it around because he wanted to stop the election. Why would he do that? When according to many of the polls and research and data, He was actually leading. He actually had more people supporting him in the 2020 election than he did in the 2016 election because people saw how he worked on the economy and actually improved things. And yes, the economy did improve because of Trump's tactics. This was not some post-Obama tactic ever. No, this was because, plain and simple, if you want to improve an economy, Uh, it's so easy, a caveman can do it. All you have to do is get rid of tax, all of these taxes that own businesses. How do you improve an economy? You empower businesses because businesses hire employees. And when more, more people are employed and they have jobs and money to pass around, that money stimulates the economy. So if you want to stimulate the economy, then you empower businesses. How do you empower businesses? You, re- you 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 ease the taxes that they have to pay and you get rid of a lot of the regulations, plain and simple. So what does Trump do? Come in and he starts getting rid of all of these taxes that are hammering the businesses and he gets rid of all of these regulations that are choking the businesses and then that gives them an incentive to come back and build their factories here in in the United States again because they don't have to spend all of their money on taxes anymore and they can save their money and they can hire more people with that money they would have been spending on uh, giving to Uncle Sam. And then without all of the regulations, they can get back to manufacturing again like they used to. I mean, it was as simple, uh, it was so simple a caveman could do it. I mean, plain and simple, that was it. It's not, it's not a hard thing to do. It's just depending on the ideology, the philosophy that you carry. If you are a person that believes in capitalism, you want to empower entrepreneurs and businesses. If you believe in socialism, you believe the government needs to run everyone's life. So you want to discourage entrepreneurship in business and cause everyone to become systematically dependent upon the government. It's the ideology. You know, if you have a certain ideology, and I'm going to be honest and real and kick it to you like you probably haven't heard it before. Eight years, Obama's ideology was that of socialism. He Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, the Bushes, all of these people were socialists. They were working towards that end, don't matter, Democrat or Republican, all working towards the same end. Trump comes in, outsider, you can't bribe him because he's already a billionaire, so you can't bribe him like the, the health insurance companies and Big Pharma did with George W. Bush uh, and Al Gore did with, you know, in, in previous administrations. You can't bribe the guy. He already a billionaire, but he's a billionaire who doesn't play by the rules of the global elite. And so that's the reason why they've been attacking the guy. It ain't got nothing to do with racism, none of that stuff, man. You know, you know, you can see through that just like anybody else. They hate the guy because he don't go along with their agenda, the global elite. Elite agenda, And so, anyone that's a member of the global elite and the media and everything else, they're going to just come at them and attack them the best that they can because they just, they want one of their puppets to sit in office and pass legislation that supports what they want. So, you know, when we look at what's going on, kind of, you know, open your eyes there and don't believe all of that stuff. The guy was getting more, uh, the more, getting more support. So why would he release a virus on his own people and slow down the one thing that is his greatest legacy? A thriving economy why would he why would he jack all of that up that's why i said don't don't listen to stupid or you'll end up thinking stupid you know uh be careful about a lot of stuff that's being passed along um and and a lot of stuff that's being passed along through social media as well, undocumented unchecked sources people just. Throwing stuff out there, making up stuff. I got a cousin that worked for the government, and they whatever, man. You know, folk be saying all kind of dumb stuff, and you gotta take stuff with a grain of thought and keep your your brain functioning and working, and don't just believe whatever and anything people say because that that can be actually become more disastrous than anything. So I want to look at this because, you know, when we talk about again, the administration, thank God, you know, they got a, uh, a, uh, bill to help people that are struggling two trillion dollars. Um, but you know, my thing is this and, and I'm, I'm going to just say a little bit about this after I'm going to take a small break and come back and, and share my thoughts about what we need to do. And it's just my opinion again. It's Timology. <laughs> or phlegmology whichever one you know it's just my opinion uh but i'll be right back after this short break hey if you like what you're hearing on this podcast there's more where that came from stay in touch by visiting my website at www.timothyflemingjr.com there you will find blogs, videos, books authored by me and more, so much more. Also, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hey, let's stay in touch. Do you have a book you are trying to publish? Do you have a book inside of you that you feel you really need to write but aren't sure where or how to begin? TNJ Publishers is your best option. Offering the most affordable rates, fastest turnaround time, and the highest quality standard of service. Just call 1 800 797 5540 for your free phone consultation or visit www.tnjpublishers.com and get published today. TJ Publishers, we turn publishing dreams into realities. To the big picture, uh, show podcast again. Just giving you the the download or the info the four one one on the hot topics and the hot. There's no hotter topic today than the coronavirus COVID nineteen and how this is impacting everything. I mean, they had to shut everything, all of the basketball games down. You know, your football games. You know, um, <laughs> everything got shut down. WrestleMania got canceled. Man, I was looking forward to that. You know, I mean, well, they actually they didn't get canceled. They they actually decided to go through, but concerts were canceled. I mean, all kind of stuff. Everything is on hold. You know, because of this this virus. And like I said, kids are worried about whether or not they they done went out and bought their prom dresses and prom suits and everything else. But now they worried. You know hey, man, I've been waiting on the prom. You know, might have to do a prom in somebody's basement. Hey, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? No one monkey, no one virus can stop the show. And that's the reason why I played a little bit of that song uh, that you were just listening to from Queen. And I know, I, you know, some people are like, whoa, you know, wow, didn't know you listened to that. Well, look, I I listen to all kinds of music. And I don't want to say listen as if I just sit there. But when I hear different songs that have different themes Messages, sometimes I'll try to incorporate those in even if I don't 100% agree with the entire catalog of that artist. You know, I'm not like some big rock and roll fan, but that song kind of stood out to me. The show must go on. And I think that's the clarion call today that people are saying, look, we need the show to go on. <laughs> we need the show to go on. You know, tired of sitting in the house, tired of looking at TV, tired of doggone, you know, especially if you in a in a relationship and you and your partner may not be going on lord have mercy you mean to tell me i gotta be stuck in the house with this person you know i'm tired of this you know the show must go on but you know what like i said uh i I did make uh, mention at the beginning of the uh podcast there is some positive that comes out of this and one positive is if you are in a bad relationship well now's the time for you to start getting things right since you ain't got no other choice but to be with the person, <laughs> you might as well try to make it right now. You ain't got no other choice, you know. Uh, so you, you can't get out and leave. I mean, go to a hotel. I get hotels are still open. But, you know, I mean, for the most part, you know, ain't nothing else to do but to stay home, you know. So, you know, sometimes being in a confined situation forces you to face things that you would normally ordinarily run from. And one of those things also uh that that people would tend to overlook uh, you know uh, until uh viruses and things like this hit, is they overlook the state of their souls. You know um, here, here's a fascinating thing. I was looking at the news, I think it was MSNBC, and they had Bishop T. D. Jakes on, and uh, you know, I hadn't seen this happen since 9/ 11 since 9/ 11 uh back when nine eleven occurred, every every news station you looked at, they had pastor after pastor after pastor on there. What do you think about what's going on? And what word of comfort can you give the nation? Oh, and by the way, can you pray for the nation? I hadn't seen this since nine eleven. They had Bishop Jakes on there, and at the end of the segment, the host asked, uh, Bishop, do, do you mind just taking 30 seconds to pray for the nation? And he, Bishop Jakes, prayed for the nation in that 30 seconds. You know, I mean, when was the last time you saw something like that take place? Normally they ignore the men of God. They ignore it. Normally they just have conspiracy nutcases on there and liberals on there and all. But now, I mean, man, when a virus is ravaging the nation, folk get scared. That's when they turn back to God. They turn back to God. And it's kind of funny because I was reading a verse in the book of Jude that declares uh, some people God will bring them to the cross through love, but others he will compel them through fear translate that for you some people god will bring they will be enticed you know by the love of god some folk god will scare the hell out of them translation <laughs> that that is the actual translation i think it's the uh the the uh, phlegm phlegm translation uh phlegm new new phlegm translation yeah the the nf t yeah it's, it's a new translation coming out soon god will scare the hell out of you scare the hell out of you. You don't like that word hell? Well, it's in the Bible because during this season, this virus reminds us of how short life is, how easy it is to lose our lives It reminds us that, hey, we are not, you know, we over the last couple of centuries, we've been increasing lifespan like crazy. You know, back in the Middle Ages, the average lifespan was around maybe 40 to 50 years of age. You know, so, hey, you know, people, they expected by the time they reached the age of 40, they weren't going to live much longer after that. Uh, Infant mortality rates were, were through the roof, through the clouds, but through medical science, and technology and our understanding of the human body today. I mean, we got people living over a hundred years old. Uh, Infant mortality rates are the lowest they have ever been in human history. It is crazy. But the thing about it is this, more people are so concerned with immortality that they have forgotten about eternity. And the reality is this. The virus reminds you that you are not immortal. All of us are going to die. It may not be coronavirus. It could be a stray bullet. It could be cancer. It could be a car accident. It could be a plane crash. It could be heart disease. It could be a heart attack. I mean, anything could take you out. It's like a million and two ways to die. A million and two ways to die. Pick one. I mean, you might not want to pick one, but just just, you know, think about that. A million and two ways to die. And the virus is just one. There's millions of others of ways to die. But it reminds us that, hey, life is short. That's what it says in James 4. Life is like a vapor. Here, one minute. Gone. Poof. The next gone, like a puff of smoke, gone. So if your soul is not ready to meet God, then you're in bad, you're in a bad boat. Uh, you know, you're in a bad boat. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, this is probably the best time of, for evangelism the church has ever had, because now we can actually put the emphasis and a focus on what really matters the most, uh, which is the state of the soul. Is your soul right with God? And, you know, I've, I've had, like I said, I had the luxury, well, the blessing of being able to play with, pray with people who've been affected by this virus. And, you know, some of the people to pray for, they actually came out of it. I mean, got healed from it, you know, back at home doing great, but not everyone recovers. Not everyone gets the healing. Not everyone bounces back. Some people flatline, they die. And this is the time, the moment where just like like when people show up at a funeral and the preacher has the right, has the opportunity now to challenge them about their soul salvation, we're well now... You know, people are in a state of panic and fear, but this ain't the time to fear. This is the time to to uh, begin to take an introspective look within and to look at the state of your soul and ask yourself: Am is my soul in right standing with God? Because death could occur, but if, is my soul right with the Lord? Am I prepared to meet Him head on, face to face? Will I hear Him say, "Well done, good and faithful servant," or hear Him say, "I never knew"? you. That's that's what what we need to be stressing and emphasizing right now and and really focusing on. So every time you do a live man of God, woman of God, whoever you are, every time you do a live, always do a prayer at the end and lead people to Christ. Why? Because people need to take their soul serious. This virus I don't believe God sent it per se, but I do believe God is allowing it and using it as a wake up call. And some people do need to wake up and begin to reevaluate and reprioritize the things they have been neglecting and overlooking and taking for granted. Every day, every moment that God gives you the opportunity to be able to live for Him, to serve Him, and to do that which is pleasing in His sight, but yet you take that moment and you waste it or you squander it or you focus on self well now's the time to get back to reevaluating is most important are you really in right standing with god so i wanted to emphasize that because again you know i saw bishop jakes on there and i and that was a good thing i mean they need to do more of that now uh Need to do more of that. Bring more pastors and evangelists on and give, don't just give them 30 seconds, dog. Gonna give them 30 minutes. Shoot, here here's a microphone. Go ahead and minister to the people, you know, because the message of repentance is this is the time it needs to go forward, probably more than at any other time in, you know, in recent history. Uh, so, uh, you know, when we look at this, what's going on again just understanding not to get wrapped up into a lot of the conspiracy theory stuff that's been passed around but there's there are some theories that we do need to take a look at number one i do believe that this thing was uh it was engineered it didn't just pop out pop out pop out of nowhere just spring up no, I I really do believe this was engineered. I mean, it was in China and in a particular province in China where one of the world's largest laboratories exist. Uh, is that a coincidence? One of the largest laboratories where they are known to make and create biological agency agents and things of that nature. All of a sudden from that place, that area where this lab is, that's where this this virus uh, it, it started and began to spread. So I do believe that yes, there's a reason why Trump referred to this as the China virus. It's because that's where it was engineered. And I do use the word engineered, meaning it was man-made. Man made. Um, and, you know, some people, they, you know, they think to themselves, well, I don't believe anything like that would ever be man made. I don't think, I don't see. Oh, are you serious? Are you serious? Now, let me stop and say this props and kudos to all of the nurses and doctors who are risking their lives. Just like we give, you know, props to military service men and women. We give props to policemen and women firemen all of these individuals you know thank you for your service well you need to be saying we need an infomercial just like that giving props and thanks to medical doctors and nurses those who risk their lives day in and day out they got families too but they are over there at the medical facilities treating people that are battling with this this virus risking their lives the probability that they can become infected is greater than anyone else's you know, chances. Why? Because that's all they are around 24-7. And yet they selflessly go out there and they do all that they can to help people and to try to improve the condition of people's lives and, and prevent death, putting their own lives at risk. Big props and big kudos to them. There are a lot of good people that are in the medical field. In fact, I'd say the majority of the people in the medical field are incredible people, outstanding individuals, great individuals. Now, with that being said, there's always a bad apple in every bunch, right? You always find uh individuals that have a sinister plan that have nefarious goals and who are using medical science for a very evil uh means for a very evil purpose that i mean come on can you remember tuskegee tuskegee syphilis experiment? <laughs> i know you remember that especially if you're black you you remember that tuskegee syphilis experiment They probably didn't want to talk about it in school a whole lot, but certain medical personnel were injecting African-Americans with syphilis while claiming to be vaccinating them from the disease. And that ain't the only one. Because you had the Guatemala syphilis experiment, where the same thing was happening in South America, uh, medical doctors were pretty much injecting uh, syphilis into Hispanics while claiming to be giving to be giving them a vaccine against it. I mean, come on! All you have to do or uh, read books, and I'm I'm gonna throw out three books for you, and I want you to go and read these books. Don't be lazy. Trust me. Don't be lazy. Uh-uh uh get up get and put that remote control down. You're talking about somewhere not no quit being lazy. You can go and download it on Kindle or whatever the case, or you can buy the audio book. When I hear people say stuff, I don't have time to read books. Yes, you do. But even if you don't have time to read the book, you got a headset. You can listen to it on audio. Go and doggone to educate yourself and get the ebook or the audio book for goodness sakes. But I'm going to throw out these three books. I want you to go and check out. Uh, the first one is called Anatomy of an Epidemic by Robert Whitaker. Anatomy of an Epidemic by Robert Whitaker. And I mean that book goes into so much detail about the medical malpractice being being uh, you know carried out by certain individuals. Not all, not the whole of the medical community, but certain individuals that have a very nefarious plan. They want to they want to infect, they want to uh, uh, destroy and diminish the quality of life for people, and they go about you know deceiving the public. I mean that book right there is an award-winning book, and you probably would find it difficult to find it in a lot of places because books like these oftentimes get pulled out of circulation by certain powers that be, but that is one of the greatest books on the subject, Open My Eyes Like Crazy. Uh, The other book, and this is definitely something if you're African American, Medical Apartheid. A Medical Apartheid by Harriet Washington. I mean, you know, you talk about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. That was the tip of the iceberg. Go and read Medical Apartheid and look at the many. And trust me, these books, they have nothing but documented facts, documented facts, I mean, documented facts and cases—the actual, real information. So, *Medical Apartheid* by uh, by by uh, Harriet Washington. Another book, *The Plutonium Files*. *The Plutonium Files* by Eileen Wellsom. Aileen Wilson. Now, I mean, you look at, you know, the the experiments done on U.S. soldiers, <laughs> Our military personnel, for goodness sakes, you know, exposed to plutonium and other very deadly uh, and dangerous chemicals and things, giving them cancer and things of that nature. I mean, this is stuff documented. You know, there are certain people... When we look back in Nazi Germany and what uh, people like Joseph Mingles was doing with Jews, uh, the Nazis, they were probably the leaders when it came to studying things like reflexology, uh, the human anatomy. But that's because they were experimenting on live humans. They were taking human beings, cutting them open, Jews, cutting them open while they were still alive. Just to see how they would, their bodies would respond to different, uh, to when being exposed to different elements or things of that nature to study reflexology. They were doing experiments on live human beings, not rats and mice, humans. And so there's a ton of information that they gathered, the Nazis. But how did they gather it? Through human experimentation. Now you would have to be living under a rock to assume that that type of mentality does not still exist today, that certain individuals would go to the length of actually experimenting on human beings just to find out what does and what doesn't work as as far as medicine, medical procedures, uh, and human anatomy, and so on and so forth. You have all of this information out there that shows that there have been experiments, that there are certain people that would use medical science for evil purposes, that would sit in in a laboratory somewhere and create biological weapons. We've been hearing about government agencies, military agencies like DARPA that have been combining human and animal DNA, trying to create the perfect soldier, a human being that can hear like a dog, that can have radar sensors like a bat or like a shark, that, that has enhanced speed and strength. We've been hearing about this. When when you read about stuff like this in National Geo- Geographic Explorer, it's old news. And in National Geographic Explorer, years ago, over 10 years ago, they were Already reporting this stuff, talking about uh, human animal creations, hybrids, transgenic species. They were talking about transhumanism and nanopar- or nanotechnology and things of that they, they were exposing this over 10, 15 years ago. You know, that mean by the time they talk about it, it's already old news. It's been going on for decades. They've been doing it for years. So there is no secret. It's just you have to come to a place where you accept the reality that there are certain individuals that feel as if they have the responsibility of playing God over everyone else and they don't mind creating a biological weapon that will take out a certain ethnic group or take out half of the population. They don't mind creating stuff like this. Am I saying that's the case with what happened? No. I'm not saying that they cre- they created it intentionally and released it deliberately. I'm not saying that, that that's the case. But what I am saying, that's the reality we have to look forward to up the road. The Bible say in the last days there will be a lot of disease and pestilence that will kill many. Well, do you think this is just going to be as a result of some natural occurrence? No, a lot of this is going to be the result of man playing God in laboratory. Man playing with uh, with genetic material, playing with the human genome, trying to modify and create and 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 you know uh, tweak and everything else that which God created. And as a result of that, that's what that's what we're gonna see a lot of in the upcoming days. It's fascinating because when you read the Bible, this is a direct replica of what took place during the days of Noah. Go and read Genesis chapter six In the days of Noah. That's when the Nephilim came about. Nephilim were unnatural creations, a mixture of human and angel DNA. Angels, the Benai Elohim. Uh, the sons of Elohim came down, saw the Ah Adam, the daughters of Adam, which means humankind. The the sons of Elohim saw the daughters of hum, humans that they were beautiful and took to themselves wives of all that they chose. All of that stuff, that garbage about the sons of Seth, or oh, no, those saw the daughters of Cain. There's, that was made up by someone that wanted to skew the original, uh, understanding and interpretation of that verse. Everyone knows in the in the uh, theological community that all of that sons of Seth, daughters of Cain stuff that has no basis in fact in reality whatsoever. That was a made up lie. The original text: the sons of Elohim saw daughters of humans and took to themselves wives, produced Nephilim. But then it t- tells us further on that Noah was perfect in his generation, and that word "perfect" in the Hebrew was Tamien, which means genetically pure. So it wasn't saying that Noah had a moral disposition, that he was morally upright. It says that Noah's physical body was still pure. It was normal. Noah was perfectly or genetically pure. He and his family were pure. That means during the time of Noah, the biggest problem, the reason God sent the flood it really was the fact that the human genome had been modified and altered. You know, in the book of, I forget which one, I think 1st or 2nd Samuel, it's in the book of Samuel, it tells you if you need more information about historical events, turn to the book of Jasher. So, you know what I did, I know Jasher is in the Apocrypha, I turned to the book of Jasher and read it, and Jasher fills in a lot more information about what went on in Noah's day, he goes a little bit further, he explains that the angels didn't just come and have sex with women, but the angels taught the mixture of different species with one another to man. In other words, the angels taught man how to mix the species, the DNA from different animal types to mix his own DNA with that of animals. In other words, the angels taught man the same exact sciences that we are practicing today in laboratories, transgen, transgenics, transhumanism, embryonic stem cell research, all of that stuff. That was the literal science taught to mankind by angels during the time, the days of Noah. And because of that, God looking at his creation saying, My creation has been corrupted so much, I got to just wipe everybody out. I just got to completely start over and I'm going to start over with Noah and his family. It was more than just sin. It was more than just, well, people would get drinking and getting drunk. People always gotten drunk. People always commit murder. People always do that kind of stuff. But during the day of Noah, people only imagined evil and their human genetic makeup had been altered and tampered with by fallen angels. I mean, that <laughs> that's a very interesting uh, situation. So, you know, what, we, what, what we're what we looking at, and Jesus said... As It was in the day of Noah. That's how it's going to be when I return. So in the days of Noah, since the biggest problem was the corrupting of the human genome, that's one of the things we have to look forward to during the return of Christ is the corruption of the human genome. That nowadays, I mean, when we look at, you know, I was looking at a documentary and the title of it is "Vaxed." Uh, here's another one I want you to go and look up. Don't be lazy. Go and look it up and go and watch it. Purchase it. Watch it. Vaxed. V-A-X-X-E-D. Vaxed. Uh, Robert De Niro, who was over the, um, what is it? The independent movie, uh, filmmaker, uh, awards, you know, uh, community. Well, he was, he actually, in, uh, entered, tried to enter the movie Vax into, you know, the independent, independent filmmaker, you know, uh, uh, platform. But the, 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 uh, sponsors, the, the people who, who were sponsoring, Uh, his, his production, they warned Robert De Niro that if you enter this movie in, we're gonna withdraw our sponsorship. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna leave you high and dry. So he had to, you know, in order to save his financial investment, uh, prevent this movie from being entered in, but it was a big deal. And Robert De Niro understood it was a big deal. Uh, a lot of people will pay top dollar just to make sure that no one sees this film, Vaxxed. The truth behind what's going on with the vaccinations. And in the film, you see The rise in vaccinations, it parallels the rise in autism, the rise in bipolar disorder, the rise in ADHD, the rise in schizophrenia, the rise in all of these mental psychological disorders, and also even premature death. So it's very fascinating that there's a correlation between the two. But should there be a correlation or should it be a shock to us that there's a correlation when you look at what's inside of the a lot of these vaccinations. And I'm going to tell you two ingredients right off the bat that are found inside of the vaccinations. Uh, One of them is aluminum and the other one is mercury. Do you know what those two things are? Those are metals. Those are metals. I mean, we've had people that are out out there, they inject their putting metals inside of vaccinations and injecting them into your kids. What is a metal? I mean, you're talking about a a, a neurotoxin, something that blocks neuroreceptors and alters and even really destroys brain function, the ability to think. You know, your neuroreceptors, you can't even really receive information and process information. And this is one of the things that leads to autism. And like the child is sitting there, brain dead they, they can't even process information they can't even respond to external visual uh, stimuli anymore it's because of these metals that are being injected into their brains and well, into their bodies and and when we talk about aluminum that's that's the metal that is linked directly with Alzheimer's disease. I mean, come on, look at, look at the facts, people, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say something else and this may freak you out, you know, uh, some of the other ingredients and you can get this from the CDC themselves, uh, if they still have it on their website, that is, um, but, uh, you know, looking at some of the other ingredients that are on the inside of these, uh, vaccinations, uh, or like I said, hold your horses because this is going to freak you out. Uh, formaldehyde, AKA it's called formula, formalin. uh, that they probably have it listed on the, uh, in the ingredients, uh, category, but it's formaldehyde. Uh, it's a car- carcinogen, uh, uh, look at, look at some of the other ones and, and this is gonna really, really, again, I mentioned, uh, neurotoxins like metal and aluminum, or they may call it thimerosal, uh, but it's really just mercury. You know, people always come up with different names to try to mask what something really is. You know, um, but, uh, here's, 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 here's another one. Human diploid Fibroblast cells cultures from aborted babies. What the world? Are you telling me they are putting tissue or they are putting genetic material from aborted babies in vaccinations? Hey, I didn't make it up. This is the ingredients. <laughs> this is from the list of ingredients. Fetal cow serum. Uh, I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing this one. Well, maybe I won't. Let me, let me give it a try. 2-2. Two- Phenix, 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 Phenixethanol, uh, Phenyls, uh which is uh, according to the FDA is linked to depression of the central nervous system. OK, so if the central nervous system is being oppressed, uh, having a hard time functioning or as God intended, then it's because of this particular chemical that is found in the vaccines. wi 38 NM, and MRC-5 human cells from aborted babies. Monkey kidney cells. Uh, a whole list of antibiotics, um, unique animal derived retroviruses that have been found in human tum- human tumors and tissues, uh, human serum uh, albumin, uh, human and animal DNA, DNA fragments from aborted human fetuses as mentioned above human cow and pig serum proteins and more that's the stuff that's inside of the vaccines i never forget when my kids were born uh you know they may tell you you need to go you have to get these vaccines and i took my t- you know following instructions took my my baby out to the hospital because they wanted to give them all these vaccines the doctor didn't know I had already been studying up on all of this stuff ahead of time uh to, to familiarize myself with what's in these vaccines. And so before they could give my child any needles, any shots or whatever, you know, I stopped and I asked the doctor, what is inside of the vaccine? Man, when I asked that question, she looked at me like a deer caught in the headlights and looked at me like I was a disease. And then she left out of the room, went and printed out some papers, came back and handed it to me and said, here, here's information on the vaccine. What she revealed to me at that point was she didn't know what was in the vaccine. She's the doctor giving them out, but she didn't even even know what was in the vaccine. Let me tell you about these needles. In one shot, they will have three to five different vaccines. You may be thinking that, well, one vaccine per shot. No, one shot one needle, one shot, three to five different vaccines. That means, and they usually give the kids three shots when they go to the doctor's office. That means per doctor visit, when you take your child to get vaccinated, they within that one sitting, that one sitting would have given your child between nine to 15 different vaccines in those three shots, Nine to 15 different vaccines, each vaccine containing an assortment of all of these different chemicals that I just mentioned to you. And they are trying to figure out why. And you look at the documentary, Vax, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Baby sitting, a child sitting there, bubbly, happy, just laughing, talking, about, blah, yeah, 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 And then they give the child a shot, and all of a sudden, the child is quiet won't say a word, sit there and stare at the ceiling as if they are in an otherworldly state of mind, drool out of the mouth, won't respond, won't play anymore. It's almost like the child has become a vegetable brain dead after being given the vaccine. And this is going on all over the world. I, you know, needless to say, I looked at that doctor and let that doctor know my child will not be receiving a vaccine. Well, you know, they're not going to let your child go to school. Guess what me and my wife did? Homeschool. We started homeschooling our children. And then when they got older, when they got older, we let them go to regular school, but we did a workaround. We're just going to get a note. We're going to, you know, because you can get a note or what have you from a doctor excusing your child and allowing them to go to school without having to get these vaccines. And that's what we did. But we decided early, we ain't finna put out that stuff in our kids. I'm sorry. You know, I do believe in medicine and you know, God created doctors. Luke in the Bible, the gospel of Luke, he was a doctor, a physician. God uses doctors, but not every doctor is an informed doctor. Not every doctor is a good doctor. And I'm about to show you an example right here. Going back to my earlier example, talking about Tuskegee syphilis experiment and things of that nature, you know, it was was uh, back in the 1930s uh there was a man he was a medical doctor working for the Rockefeller Institute and his name was Cornelius P. Rhodes nickname was Dusty so Cornelius P. Dusty Rhodes <laughs> you know no relationship to the uh to the wrestler you know but uh that was his name Cornelius P. Rhodes this man wrote a letter explaining what he was really doing when he was serving people in Puerto Rico. I'm going to read the letter for you. I want you to listen with with clear ears. I'm going to read this letter. This is from Mr. Well, the, the doctor, Mr. Cornelius P. Rhodes himself, his letter. I quote, Dear Ferdy. He's writing this letter to his friend. Dear Ferdy. The more I think about the Larry Smith appointment, the more I, the more disgusted I get. Have you heard any reason advanced for it? I certainly, uh, it certainly is odd that a man uh, out with the entire Boston group, fired by Wallach, uh, and as far as I know, absolutely devoid of any scientific reputation, should be given the place. There is something wrong somewhere with our point of view. The situation is settled in Boston. Parker and I are to run the laboratory together and either Kenneth or McMahon to be assistant, uh, the chief to stay on. As far as I can see, the chances of my getting a job in the next 10 years are, are absolutely nil. One is certain certainly not encouraged to make scientific advances when it is a handicap rather than an aid to advancement. I can, I can get a beep fine job here <laughs> and am, and and, and, and am tempted to take it. It would be ideal except for the Puerto Ricans. They are beyond doubt the dirtiest, laziest, most degenerate and thievish race of men ever inhabiting this sphere it makes you sick to inhabit the same island with them. They are even lower than Italians. What the island needs is not public health work, but a tidal wave or something to totally exterminate the population. Did you hear that? This man said, what the island needs is not medical health work. They don't need medicine. They need a tidal wave or some epidemic that will come along and kill everybody on the island, exterminate the entire Puerto Rican population. All right, let me continue on with the rest of the letter. It might then be livable. So if everyone is exterminated on this island, then it will be livable on this island. I have done my best to further the process of extermination by killing off eight and transplanting cancer into several more. The latter has not resulted in any fatalities so far. The matter of consideration for the patient's welfare plays no role here. In fact, all physicians take delight in the abuse and torture of the unfortunate subjects. Do let me know if you hear any more news. Sincerely, Dusty. This man, literally, this is the same guy who was featured on Time Magazine as man of the year and called the cancer warrior, that he is a fighter against cancer, and he is a great man, and he was given numerous awards and accolades for his work in fighting cancer uh, as he served people in Puerto Rico. This man, by his own admission, in his own letter, written by him, his own handwriting, said... Really, I'm trying to ex, I'm trying to exterminate these people. And so far, I've, I've succeeded in killing at least eight of them. And I've also injected many more with cancer cells. They think I'm giving them vaccinations to help them live longer when really I'm injecting them with cancer. This was a medical doctor. In fact, this was a highly acclaimed praised highly praised medical doctor you still think there aren't people around that carry that same attitude and who have access to laboratories and biological material and medical facilities you still think that there aren't joseph mingles in the world today if you think that you live under a rock you know, you live under a rock because this world is full of evil people and not everyone that is out there in the forefront have good plans. There is a an, an agenda to depopulate. There is an agenda to lower the human population to something that is more managed manageable there is and i have all of this u.n documentation all of these quotes i mean all of these u.n officials claiming that human beings are like a virus or a disease and the earth needs to get if we're going to save the planet we got to get rid of people you know the number one source of global warming uh, are babies and when al gore was asked well how can we curb global warming his answer was we need to take women and we need to expose them to more medical uh, information as far as uh, family planning and abortion i'm talking about global warming i ain't talking about family planning but if you catch the gist of what he was saying he was saying that he was going along with the un literature that claims that babies are the number one source of global warming I mean, there are people out there that are wacko. They are crazy. And these are people that are in charge. So you can't just look at everyone and paint everyone with the same brush. Uh, You know, uh, and I was explaining that to someone that don't look at the government and say they because you got some good guys in the government and bad guys in the government. I do believe Trump is one of the good guys. In fact, that's the reason why they are trying to keep, fight the guy so much. I was about to say something else. That's the reason why they're fighting the guy so much. He is an anti-globalist. He didn't go along with global warming legislation. When Al Gore tried to sell him on it, he told Al Gore, take a hike. He decided to withdraw the U.S. out of the Paris, Clam- Pir- uh, the Paris climate accord treaty in other words i'm not going to allow global warming legislation to come along and to just suck the life out of the u.s economy like some of these individuals have been trying to do for the last couple of decades i mean this guy comes on he's basically just an anti-globalist and because he's an anti-globalist and won't go along with their agenda they want to paint him as some racist and monster or some incompetent individual and turn around and come up with all of this fake news on the guy. Come on. Some of us know what's really going on. Some of us see what's really taking place. And take your head out of the sand and, and open your eyes and really catch a hold of what's going on. There are some individuals Whose objective, whose goal is to depopulate? They're kind of like Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, who just hated the poor. She looked at the poor as the scourge of the earth. And Margaret Sanger, if you look at her writings, her real objective and goal was to take poor families and try to uh, try to uh, try to kill them off so that they couldn't repopulate. Uh, She wanted to kill off, you know, uh, the, the, the right and the ability of poor women to reproduce. And that was Margaret Sanger. She wanted to decide what family lineages would be allowed to survive and which ones would be killed off. You know, Thomas Malthus, who was a minister, for goodness sakes, this was the guy who claimed that earth is running out of natural resources. We're eating up all of the resources. And what we need to do is get rid of all of the poor people. We need to take the poor people and we need to put them in these crap type spaces, let loose a disease and let it kill them all off. That was Thomas Malthus. This is the guy claiming that Earth is reaching its tipping scale, its tipping point, and we're going to run out of food and water in, in a few short years. And look at us. Today, we are better fed than ever before. Oh, and by the way, Margaret Sanger also advocated for the extermination of of Blacks and other races that she deemed inferior. She uh, stated that in a letter that we don't want her to get out. In other words, not get out that we don't want people to put a rumor out on us, but rather, we don't want the truth about our true goals to get out, that our goal is to exterminate the Negro population. Those were Margaret Sanger's own words. That's why she was comfortable with doing a presentation in front of the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, she was among, you know, uh, among family pretty much. That's why she was, she enjoyed her time in Nazi Germany, working with the Nazis after she fled from America. There are people like that. That are leading the charge in the medical field. And you got to open your eyes. The Bible does tell us that there's going to be an influx of diseases and things like that. That is going to come, come upon the earth. And it ain't got nothing to do with God necessarily. It, it's, it's more so that people playing God, people playing God, you know, man playing God. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna say this and, and then I'm gonna go ahead and, and kind of wrap this up because I do have one other thing that I wanna, wanna talk about. I wanna talk about, uh, what I've been looking at on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. Mm-hmm. I know I hadn't been sitting here just, you know, researching, reading books. I'd be, you know, trying to catch up on some of my shows too. Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm looking at this situation. You know, they're trying to tell everybody just engage and go back to the co- coronavirus topic again. You know, they tell everybody, look, we just want you all to separate, social distancing. Everyone, just uh, distance yourselves. And and the reality is this: you're not going to get everyone to to distance themselves uh, entirely. You know, as long as people go to Walmart and, and CVS and Target. <laughs> as long as people go to public parks, you know, or people show up in restaurants to pick up, to take out, to go orders or or whatever, people still got to go to work. I mean, then guess what? You still got a chance for the infection spreading. This is just my p- personal opinion. It trips me out when I look at mainstream mute media outlets telling people don't wear masks in public. What the heck? I mean, come on now, I was, you know, they, they are telling people don't put on masks. Why? You know, and then, and then they're going to turn around and contradict themselves by saying the masks, they don't stop the spread of the virus. Well, condoms don't stop pregnancy. You know, they only decrease the chance that you could end up getting pregnant or getting another disease. You know, it's about probabilities at this, at this point. It's about decreasing the likelihood of something. You're not gonna 100% eliminate anything. We still got bird flu, uh, SARS, MERS, uh, smallpox. We still got swine flu. Uh, what was that, that virus or disease? They were, it was just the other year. They were telling everybody, stay in your home homes because mosquitoes are carrying a deadly uh, disease and if you get bitten by a mosquito you could die the next day and everybody was scared to step outside i mean joker's walking out there with four layers of clothes on and the blazing hot sun talking about i'm trying to avoid getting bitten by a mosquito i mean goodness lord have mercy every every year is something every single year is something new we're not gonna stop Disease, you're not going to stop viruses. The only thing you could do is minimize, minimize, decrease the likelihood. So instead of the idiots in the mainstream media telling folk don't go and get face masks, and then contradicting themselves by telling medical doctors and nurses that they have to wear face mask and glove. If, if a face mask don't stop the spread of the disease, why are you telling doctors and nurses to wear face masks then? Why do they have face mask, mask on if the mask don't do anything? See, do you see the contradiction here? you see the stupidity here you know if if it's good enough for a doctor it's good enough for me dog on it you know uh, <laughs> that uh, my thing is this like the song said the show must go on in other words people do need to get back to work we do need people to kind of get back and and I'm not saying I advocate them advocating for like this full just return to normalcy in every regard no I think incrementally slowly little by little, we need to start allowing people to kind of uh, get back into the swing of things, phase a lot of things back in little by little, even as we continue to educate the public on safety precautions, washing your hands, covering your cough, uh, things of that nature. You know, and I think washing your hands, I mean, everybody should have that. I learned that when I was a kid in elementary school, even before elementary school. I, I take at least a minute and a half or two minutes to wash my hands every time I do something, you know, in between my fingers, in between my fingernails. It, to me, that just seems like a no-brainer. Unfortunately, it take a virus to remind people to do something so simple as wash their hands. But, I think incrementally we need to start phasing regular life back in so that the show can go on, so that people can get back to living, but teach them and educate them. But here's my thing, provide the manufacturing companies need to get busy like crazy mass producing these face masks at an alarming rate. They just need to get crazy. They need to be the newest, hottest item on the market, face mask and gloves, and let everybody get back out in the public just wear face mask and gloves until a permanent solution for this situation, this crisis can be reached. And currently, from the way things are looking over in France, uh, they've been giving people this um, medication that they actually, it's a medicine they've been using to treat malaria, and it's called uh, hydroxy hydroxychloroquine. And I'm trying to make sure I don't mit, uh, massacre the pronunciation. Hydroxychloroquine. Uh, that that very drug has been used to treat malaria. And over in France, they've been discovering as they use it on the patients suffering with the uh, COVID-19. These people are getting healed. They're out of the hospital in two, three, four days. Back home. Uh, perfectly normal. So you already have the basis. In fact, you already have a drug that was already developed that has been treat that treated malaria, and that is now treating COVID-19. So to me, I don't understand when people are talking about, well, it may take a year for them. Y'all already, France is doing it. They are doing it now. Well, we just have to send it through a lot of test trials. Look, uh, you know, if, if I'm laying on a hospital bed, and I'm about to die anyway. And I ain't got no other choice but to try it, dog on it. Cause I'm about to die anyway. If it don't work, I'ma die in the house. So might as well give it to me, dog on it. For real. Just go ahead. Why? Because I ain't got no other choice. I mean, sitting here waiting a year out, that ain't gonna help. That ain't gonna work. So you have something now. And I do believe, and I'm glad that the Trump administration did announce that we are partnering with France and we are using the hydroxy in order to begin the phase in treatments, uh, for patients and, and to try to, but I think they need to speed this thing up and they need to stop, you know, kind of, uh, uh, taking things so slow. Look, start giving people this drug. You know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But that's just, again, my personal opinion uh, that they need to go ahead and get busy because they had the foundation and the basis for the, the, the cure for this particular virus. Um, so as they are producing this drug, as they are producing this cure and mass producing it and, and, you know, they need to just let people start to slowly work their way back into regular life. Slowly get back into the swing of things. Um, just have people walk around with mask on and with gloves on. You know, uh, like I said, it's not going to be a one hundred percent probability that no one can get it, but at least it decreases the likelihood because people are still going to be sociable regardless. So at least instead of trying to bring in the national guard and force everybody to be separated. Uh that ain't gonna work, you know National guard personnel end up catching it, so what you need to do is just plaintiffs and, and by the way, if they did show up, guess what they'll all be wearing face mask and gloves, you know the same stuff that the media is telling people don't work, them hypocrites, so. What they need to do is just let the regular population, all everybody get face masks, everybody get gloves, mass produce, mass produce this stuff and make sure it's in every CVS, every Walmart, every, every Walgreens, every, every department store, every gas station and don't even have to sell it. I mean, mass produce it and just give them out. People go to your local medical facility whatever, get your face mask, get your gloves and hey, be safe and smile. It ain't like somebody going to see you smile because you got a mask on, but smile anyway. Ting! I mean, come on now. You know, that's just my opinion is, you know, we, you can't keep everything shut down. Uh, at some point, the show is going to have to pick back up and it's going to have to go on. Uh, so, you might as well kind of start working things in, so I wanted to kind of share those thoughts and uh, share those thoughts there uh and and kind of skip off of that i'm gonna take just one minute and share with you what I've been looking at on Netflix lately, and it's funny we're talking about viruses and diseases and all of that stuff because it's this show and, and trust me, I know I know I'm a minister, I know I'm a man of God man let me say it the way people say it in the church world a man of God. You know, you gotta uh, like leave out the vowel sound, so you know, almost like you uh, choking or something. Man, of you know. I know, I know, I know who I am, but, you know, I, I just, I just ended up getting addicted to this show anyway. It's called Kingdom. <laughs> Kingdom on Netflix. And it's this show about this viral outbreak. <laughs> Lo and behold. I mean, this is before coronavirus hit the news. This viral outbreak that happened in feudal Japan. I'm talking about, when you talk about storytelling, captivating storytelling, this show here, man, it got me. Uh This viral outbreak that turned people into zombies and everybody running around. And I ain't talking about that night of the living dead, the walking dead zombies walking around ugh, slow, you know, like some ground sloths. I'm talking about that 28 days later type of zombies, that, uh, World War Z type of zombies where they running, foaming at the mouth, you know, just coming at you full speed, like, you know, uh, those kind of zombies. Well, you know, this movie, this show, I'm sorry, you know, this outbreak occurred, uh, this guy was trying to, the Emperor field. Well, I'm not gonna tell the story. No, I ain't gonna sit here and give you all these spoilers, but I'll just kinda lay the backdrop. The Emperor failed Eel and somebody, the, the, uh, uh, leading, the, one of the leading, uh, I, you would call them bureaucrats or whatever, you know, and the country tried to revive the emperor using some type of uh, plant, you know, some special herb, but it actually turned the emperor into a zombie, you know, and then from there, uh, the emperor bit some, you know, ate. Ate one guy and then, you know, and I just kind of say it from there, the the, the, the disease started to spread. And now all of these people in all of these different villages are getting bitten and turning into zombies and chasing after. And I mean, the storytelling is to me, the storytelling is captivating because. You know if you're writing if you're a writer storytelling is what writing is all about it's all about the risk and rewards it's all about making sure that the protagonist that there's some type of conflict that brings out the best in them internally and externally and when it comes to storytelling I mean that show just got me hooked man I just sat there I literally set up all night I'm talking about the like about six in the morning i ain't even realize what time it was that's what they do when they binge watching i literally i just started looking at the show and and then next thing you know i just kept next episode the next episode the next episode the next episode i couldn't stop looking at it look though Dog is at about five o'clock in the morning. But I, was, I just couldn't stop looking at the show. So season two came out and now I'm looking at season two, you know. But that was one that I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. You know, if you ask me what am I looking at on Netflix, yes, it is a zombie show. And no, it's not the walking dead. I kinda of stopped looking at the walking dead when uh Rick when his last episode, you know, came. So, I don't get to hear him say Carl anymore, you know, because Carl, they they killed his character off and Rick halfway got blown up. He didn't die, but they supposed to be doing a spin off of his character for his own show. But I stopped looking at Walking Dead after that. So, I don't even know what's going on. And yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. My wife got me hooked on Walking Dead. Uh huh. That's right. If she hit this podcast, I just ratted her out. She got me hooked on The Walking Dead because that very first episode, she was like, you got to look at this shit. You got to oh, look. I don't feel like looking at Kevin And then when I looked at it, I was like, hold oh, up. That's downtown Atlanta. Hey, that's over there where so-and-so shop at. Will you go get your hair done? Now, I'll be riding up and down that street. Oh, they feel that. And that first episode, I was like hooked after that. And I was like, oh, man, I just like stuff." they have good storytelling, good storytelling. One of my favorite authors is Frank Peretti, a Christian novelist, but the kind of stuff that he writes, you know, is almost like the horror genre, but told from a Christian perspective. You know, I like that kind of stuff. You you may not, you know, but I, I like that kind of stuff. You know, the monster came in, you know, I may have stopped looking at a lot of horror movies, but I still love suspense. I still love certain things. And, you know, there's a difference between something that's just filled with gratuitous violence and something that is genuinely suspenseful and thrilling that doesn't have to have all that gore and and foolishness in it. I like stuff that that has suspense in it. That's just me. And I, I write stuff like that. Uh, from a, uh, even a, would they have even biblical principles in it? But that's just me, you know. So everybody had their own cup of tea, you know. But me, I'm not the chick flick guy, you know. Uh, my wife, she may really like that stuff. It was torture, y'all. It was torture when my wife and I was camping out in the cabins where we were staying in the cabins. And, you know, they didn't have cable so we could only look at movies. And she went and got this movie from the front office. Uh, it was called Dear John. And just to try to appease her, I actually looked at it. I have never experienced so much torture for two hours in my life. My God, I still suffer the trauma when I think about how I had to sit down on the couch and look at that film because there was nothing else to do. Dear John, I'm sorry everybody have their own cup of tea. All right, look, I haven't held you long enough, and it's been fun talking to you. Again, I hope it was some things that were said that may have piqued your interest, may have informed and enlightened you, or even entertained, you or put a smile on your face. Uh, but again, uh, just continue to pray for the nation, pray for those that are out there in the medical field, that are risking their lives, doing their best to serve and treat those that are suffering uh, from this horrible, deplorable virus, Uh continue to pray for those that are in need and do your best to try to help your neighbor. You may not be able to help the world or save the world, but you can help those closest to you, your family, friends, and neighbors. And if you're in a church community, look out for those that are your fellow members in in that particular church or whatever community you're a member of. So let's do our part and let's continue to help one another, pray for for each other. until, Until we speak next time at UC Stay safe. Wash your hands and look out for others. All right. Again, until next time, this is Timothy Fleming Jr. signing off and peace. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Big Picture Show with Timothy Fleming Jr. To hear archive shows, connect with us by visiting www.timothyflemingjr.com and subscribe today.